Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. I started attending a Baptist church when I was 18 years old. I had quit going to church, the Methodist church I had been attending the year, about a year earlier than that because it seemed irrelevant. Um, I think back on my time in the Methodist church and, and I, I look back now and I know some of the people and know they were believers and, and you know, the, the Lord was there. But I tell you, I, I grew up in that church and I don't remember one thing that the pastor ever said. Um, and that might not have been his fault, that might have been somewhat my fault, but I'm saying it just, you know, it doesn't stand out to me. And so uh, when I was 18 years old, I started dating a girl who attended a Baptist church. Now, that wasn't the girl that I celebrated my 38th wedding anniversary this week, uh, my wife. That's cool, 38 years, isn't it? So, and I, I ended up meeting her at that church. But the point is, I, I started paying attention to this girl, started paying attention to this girl and Therefore, I started attending this Baptist church. And it was different there, okay? I mean, it was way different. These guys were really serious about what they're doing. And I remember the preacher, you know, really standing out to me. And the preacher, he, he spoke with a voice like this, you know? And he spoke with great authority and he would hold the Bible up and, and, and talk to us about it and tell us, you know, that this is a sin and that's a sin and you shouldn't be living this way and that's not right and, and tell us about it. And sometimes it, made, it came straight from the Bible and other times there was something in the Bible that he would uh, talk about and then he would connect the dots, you know, and say this is wrong because... And it was good for me because I was confronted with things in my life that did not match and line up with what God said was true. Ways I was living that were ungodly and were only going to do damage. And obviously it was there that I came to understand that I was a sinner in need of a savior. And so most of it was pretty good for me. You know, Baptist preachers, old-time Baptist preachers, love to preach hellfire damnation sermons on sin. And that's for a few reasons. One is because there's no shortage of material. Right? There's plenty of sin to go around. The other uh, is uh, because people responded to that. At that, that time in our history, in our country, Christian culture, people responded to that kind of thing. You know, they responded to the fact that they weren't living the way God wanted to, and they would, you know, respond to an invitation and, and get their hearts right. And, and the Bible does say a lot about sin, right? A lot of things to say about sin, and so plenty to preach on. But then the human element really got in the mix. And, and what I'm going to say to you now is it's not true of every church or every preacher, but I, the, the Christian culture in which I was in as a, in a Baptist church is, and so I headed off to Bible college to go in the ministry there, and, um, is that the preaching started to turn harsh. Okay? It got a hard edge to it. And I think it... it 
not on purpose, but it kind of wandered from the gospel in a sense. Uh, and what got lost was the love of God that motivated him to send his son to be our savior. The grace of God that, you know, I mean, he chose to work in our lives and, and the forgiveness that God would offer us and, and the, uh, the changes, the transformation that he would make in our lives and the fact that it's not simple. I mean, it's simple, but it's not easy that to make this you know, transformation from where we started to where we need to go. And, and that got lost. And, and it said we got this hard issue and it really developed a lot of legalism. And by legalism, I mean to where this list of sins and we increased this list and grew the list and this list of sins was how you determine whether or not you're right with God. You know, whether these things are in your life or not. And it's how we judged one another on whether or not we were right with God. And so it became full-blown legalism, and legalism never brought life to anybody. And so a lot of people just, you know, Christians began to pull out of that stuff and to back away from those things, and preachers did too. And so this is about the time I was entering the ministry, and so um, I grew up in the ministry with, we still, you know, try to speak what God says and you speak with authority what God says and you tell the truth about sin and the gospel, but you do it in, I don't know how you'd say it, a more gentlemanly way, a more gracious way. But in the process, I think something's been lost. And once again, I'm speaking stereotypically, okay? I, I understand that there, you know, it doesn't apply everywhere, but stereotypes exist because there's some truth in them. And what got lost was this awareness of the ugliness of sin. What got lost was seeing sin as such a terrible thing that you would never want in your life. What got lost was seeing that allowing sin and evil in your life is destructive to you and to your relationships and to everything that God wants to do through you. They got lost. And so today what we're gonna see in the book of Romans is a biblical understanding of how we need to look at this issue, okay? And so this is our last sermon in Romans for the summer. And in Romans, we have seen, you know, from the very beginning, Paul starts off, he says, the gospel is the, the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, right? Aren't you glad, you know, that you heard the gospel at some point and, and you responded to Christ and, and he forgave your sins and he gave you eternal life and he moved inside and began transforming you from the inside out. That's the gospel. But then he talked about, you know, there, there was this problem in the church. Remember the Jewish believers, Jewish people who become believers with all of their traditions and rules and laws and, and then the Gentiles who didn't have any of that. Remember all the conflicts that came in there. And so Paul wants to address this issue and he goes back and he starts from the very beginning, the fact that we are all sinners and how God has revealed himself and how we have pushed back and all the sin that's come because of it. And he goes on, he, he establishes the solution to this problem, realizing the gospel. What God has done for us in Christ, that you know, we're not saved by, by keeping the law. We're not saved by keeping rules. We're, not sa we're, all, we're saved because we have placed our faith in the one who will save us. 
And Paul deals with all of those issues, big theological issues. And then we got over to chapter six, seven, and eight where he deals with this you know, whole deal, but we struggle, we struggle with sin. You know, what I know I should do, I don't do, and what I know I shouldn't do, I find myself doing it. And how do, you know, we deal with that. And he, and he talks about how we can, what we need to believe and how we need to respond. And, and he comes down in chapter eight and gets, he starts off chapter eight and says, now there's no condemnation in Christ. And he ends chapter eight saying, nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And then chapters 9, 10, 11, he deals with that question. Well, but God made promises to Israel. Is God going to keep his promises? And we talked about this. You know, there are times in our lives when we look and we say, man, is God keeping his promises? Have you ever been there? Right. And, you, and you're not trying to talk bad about God, but you, you, you aren't seeing it. Well, Israel wasn't seeing it, but God was indeed keeping his promises and still will keep his promises. And we discover that God works in our lives even when we don't see it or understand it. Then we saw in chapter 12 about how he transforms us and gifts us and enables us to, to serve him. Chapter 13, he talked about having just one debt and that was to love. In chapter 14, the beginning of chapter 15, which we looked at last week, we said, what do we do as Christians when we don't see eye to eye on some things? How do we interact with each other on that? And that brings us to chapter 16. In chapter 16, the Apostle Paul um, mentions a bunch of people that, that he knew and was working with and wanted to connect with them. Uh, let's turn to chapter 16. It's page 1309 in the Bible that's under the chair there. If you don't have a Bible with you, we encourage you to follow along there. Or maybe you have a different translation and you want to follow along with us. Page 1309. So he mentions all these people that he's, he's fond of, has a love for, who have served with him, encourages them. And then he says, watch out, there are some people who are going to come along and who are going to disagree with what I've taught you. And they're going to try to stir up trouble. He says, just don't have anything to do with them. Now, does Romans cover a lot of stuff? A lot of important stuff? A lot of theology? A lot of philosophy too, really, of Christian philosophy. Um, very many practical things, but big ideas, deep ideas, huge ideas. And he's come down to the end of chapter, uh, the end of the letter. And he's going to make his, tell us the, the last thing that he's going to tell us to do. The last thing you need to pay attention to. This, this ought to be big, right? You agree? I mean, you'd think it's, this is going to be some real huge thing. So let's look at it here in verse 19. He says, for your obedience has become known to all. That's a good thing. Therefore, I'm glad on your behalf. And then he says this. The last thing he's going to say about what to do. But I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. That's it? That doesn't sound very deep, does it? That sounds hugely theological. No. And yet somehow Paul, after writing all of this, and we know the Spirit inspired his words, but all of this, he writes all of this and he says, okay, let me sum it up and let me tell you what you got to remember no matter what. Be wise in what is good and simple concerning what's evil. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Pretty straightforward. Well, it must be important because, I mean, the last thing you're going to say, you know, 
in something like this is very important. So let's, let's uh, work on this a little bit and try to understand what it really means. So let's talk about the words themselves here. The first word is the word wise. And the word wise here really means pretty much what you think of when you think of the word wise. It means wise, okay? When someone is wise uh, in an area of life, we would say, well, okay, so they, ha- they know a lot of things. They under- not only know it, they understand it. They understand how it all works together. And they have a lot of personal experience in it over time. And we would say the person's wise about that. Now, if you want to uh, talk to a financial investor, you'd want to find a wise one, wouldn't you? And what you want to find is someone who really knows how it all works, who understands all the inner workings, the ins and outs and timing, and who has a lot of personal experience in it. That's what you want to find. Well, that's what God is talking about here when he says wise. That's the way we are to be. And he says wise in what is good. Well, the word good here means good. Okay, no surprise. Uh, it's, it's what you would normally think of as good, you know, something that's right, something that's positive, something that's helpful, profitable. Um, but in this phrase, wise in what is good and simple concerning evil, wise is kind of contrasted with evil. So when we're thinking what is good, we probably ought to think more on the righteousness idea of good, the godliness idea, holiness, okay? He says to be wise in those things. So he's telling us to know about what's good and right and to know it well and to know the details of it. He tells us not only to know it, but to understand it and to understand how it works. Understand maybe timing things and, and, and then to have a lot of personal experience in it because we've, we've lived the good and focused on the good. And he says that's the way we need to be with respect to what's good. And then he talks about simple, being simple concerning what is evil. Now, the word simple, when you look at the definition, has three main words connected with it, and those words are unmixed, untainted, and innocent. Okay, so let's think about this, unmixed. If we had, uh, if I had some bottled water up here and it was spring water, we would say that that is pure water, right? It's unmixed with anything else. Nothing else is put in, it's unmixed, it's pure, it's what it is supposed to be. Untainted, uh, we get the idea. You think about restaurants, the next thing you know, you hear in the news and 200 people have gotten violently ill after eating at this restaurant because the food was what? Tainted with something, all right? And so Paul is telling us here, simple, untainted by evil. There ought not to be any evil in our lives that would would taint us. And then innocent, meaning that you can't be rightfully accused of, you know, if they accuse you of being, having evil in your life, no, you're not going to be guilty, you're going to be innocent because it's not true. It's not there. So that's what the idea of simple is. It's not the simpleness of uh, Proverbs when it talks about the simple not having understanding. It isn't like that. It's, it's this idea of pure and untainted and, and innocent. And then he says that we are to be this way with respect to evil. Once again, you, you look up the word evil and chase down what it means. You get three words attached to it. Worthless, depraved, and injurious. And so the idea of worthless, well, let me think, let's talk about it this way. Have you ever been 
uh, eating what might be rightly classified junk food or drinking, you know, something like that. And, and then you just happen to sit and turn and look at the ingredients. And what do you find out that what's in, what's in there that's of value? Nothing. It's where there's nothing in it of value. It's taking up time and space, and, but it's worthless, okay? And so he's saying that, that ought not to be, as Christians, we ought not to be filling our lives up with things that are worthless. By the way, can you do that as a Christian? Things that are fun, things that are good, I mean, taste good, things that, so that we shouldn't be doing that. We should be simple concerning that. Um, the word depraved uh, comes from two words put together that mean it's thoroughly and crooked. So something is depraved, thoroughly crooked. It, it, is, it is completely bent in the wrong direction. It just goes in the wrong way. And uh, those are the things that we'd probably identify in life if we looked at and see that, you know, those are things that are obviously sin, sinful. They are ungodly. They don't match what God says, and they, they'll take you in the wrong direction. Those things ought not to be a part of our lives. And then he says injurious, and the word injurious means the idea of causing harm or even having the potential to cause harm. This could cause harm. And so as Christians, we look at our lives and say, wait, is, is this this could cause harm, or maybe it already is harmful. And we need to be simple, considered. it ought not to be mixed in with our lives. We ought not to be tainted by that. We ought to be innocent of that. And so, this, this attitude, I guess you might say, that Paul is communicating here about sin. Uh, we find it in Ephesians chapter five, and he says it this way there. He says, let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you, and then get this statement. Such sins have no place among God's people. There's just no place for it. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. These are not for you. You are to be simple concerning those things. These things ought not to be mixed up in your life. You ought not to be letting yourself be tainted by them. You ought to be innocent of being able to be accused of them. See that attitude, right? Hey, this just doesn't belong. We don't have to yell about it, scream about it. Although there would probably be a time and place to yell about it, scream about it. But we don't have to do that. It's just they don't belong, okay? And so that's the attitude that Paul is communicating to us here. So, the point of the statement, invest your life, become an expert in what is good, be wise in what is good, know it, understand it, live it, fill your life with it, and then be simple concerning evil. You know, just remove it, let it, get it away, take it out of your life. Now the rest of scripture has some things to say about this, to give us some examples of this. Uh, in the story of Moses, Remember, Moses could have stayed in Egypt, remember? I mean, God had enabled him, protected him, allowed him to be raised in, in Pharaoh's household, and, and then God put in his heart, he needed to go out and do something different and identify with his people and, and deliver them. Um, and Moses had a choice to make. He could have stayed in Pharaoh's household. And to do so would have been a sin for him. He'd have been disobeying God. And the Bible tells us that he realizes and saw it, and so he made a choice to do what is right instead of choosing, as it describes it, the passing pleasures of sin. Is sin ever enjoyable? 
I mean, it's kind of weird. We don't say sin's enjoyable. I went to church and they said sin was fun. <laughs> it is for a while. And then it bites you and it bites you hard. And so if we're going to be wise concerning what is good, we need to understand that. And, and simple concerning evil, we need to understand that. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, Paul says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. And so the idea here, this is again, being wise to what is good. What does God say is important? You know, what does God say my heart ought to be in? Where, where should the focus of my energy be? I'm going to set my mind on those things, not on this other stuff that maybe it's not even bad, but it's worthless. I'm not gonna, not gonna fill my life with that. Wise concerning what is good, simple concerning what is evil. Romans chapter 13, the end of the chapter, he says, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. If you are going to be simple concerning evil, you have to make choices not to put yourself in a place to be drawn into evil. Now, we kind of joke about this and use this analogy, and it's, it's, a, it's a good analogy, but it, it, I don't want to... Um, Trivialize sin, but you get it. If you're wanting to lose weight, you do not put in your freezer Friendly's Extreme Sunday Chocolate Peanut Butter Cup Ice Cream, the best ice cream in the whole world. <laughs> you don't keep that in your freezer when you're doing this, right? I mean, it just doesn't make sense. You, you don't go to the grocery store and walk up and down that aisle six times. You don't provide yourself with an opportunity to, to fail there. And so it is with evil. Things that are worthless or things that are depraved or things that, um, whatever that other word was. Uh, injurious, yes, thank you. So don't put yourself in a place where those things get in and fill up your life. Now, now let's just talk for a moment. It's... If you live in this world, are you going to experience evil? Are you going to be confronted with evil? You're going to see it? You're going to be exposed to it? Yeah, you sure are. If you go out there to work, right? Or you just go drive somewhere and walk away, anything, you're going to be exposed to it. Uh, whether it's the evil views, the evil actions, the evil language, whatever it is, you're going to be exposed to it. You know what? If you are about God's business, if you are doing what God says you ought to be doing, when you're exposed to evil like that, it, it doesn't get a hold on you. When evil gets in is when you didn't have to be exposed to it, but you chose to let yourself. Do you see the difference? Big difference. And so we don't want to unnecessarily expose ourselves to evil. We need to be simple about that, not have that be a part of our lives. You know, I, um, in, over the years, and I think Dave would vouch for me, we've been counseling with people. Sometimes we, we counsel with people who it seems like we just can't ever get over the hump with them. You can't figure out what's going on, you know, and, and you're trying to identify where their lives aren't lined up with what's God or what they're believing, and, and, and you work on this. And sometimes they reach a point, people reach a point, and where they say, well, where is God in all this? Where is God, you know? I can't, can't seem to make change. I can't get a difference. Well, let me, what I've discovered is this. There's a scripture Jesus said. He said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This doesn't mean that the pure in heart don't have problems. 
but it means that the pure in heart in the middle of the problems can see God. They can see his truth. They can see his working. And so it may very well be that if you find yourself just struggling, struggling, I can't get over this hump, I can't, always the problems, and I can't, da, 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 you know, maybe you need to look at your life and say, well, wait a minute, maybe I've allowed some evil in here. We'll talk a little more about that in a minute. But how do you become pure in heart? Well, it starts with receiving Christ as Savior. Because our hearts are, you know, naturally wicked and self-centered and focused on the wrong things and desiring the wrong things. And, and we are separated from God because of how we've lived. And, and so it's that moment when we acknowledge that, wow, I have sinned, I have blown it. Uh, I believe Jesus is who the Bible says he was. He did die for my sin, did rise again from the dead. And Boy, by faith, I'm giving up on all of this. And by faith, I'm receiving Christ as Savior. And, and at that moment, he forgives every sin. And like I said, he moves in and begins changing. He's purified us deep down inside. Well, now the rest of our lives are still a mess. And so we go to work cooperating with God and letting him change us from the inside out. And, and so we develop this purity of heart by you know, getting into the word of God, you know, listening to it being taught and preached, uh, reading it for ourselves, studying it, uh, even, you know, key passages that really apply to us, memorizing it and then meditating, thinking about it, and, then, and then doing it, practicing it, getting experience in it. What are we becoming? Wise in what is good. Okay? And it will point out to us Oh, the things that are evil that we need to become simple about and to back away from. And so, is being wise in what is good and simple concerning evil really is important because it will affect your experience of your relationship with God. And if you allow the evil to be there, It'll affect what you believe. And it'll take you in the wrong place. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. So what does all of this mean to us then? What's it mean for us? Well, let me give you this statement. The more knowledgeable we become about evil, the more accepting of evil we become. And I, I, I think if I was rewriting this again, I might change it and say the more focused on evil we become. But this statement is fine. And what I mean by this is, is that it doesn't mean that you would change your mind about whether something's right or wrong, but your attitude and your feelings, you become more accepting of it. You know, stories are one of the most powerful ways to communicate ideas. And how did God give us so much of his word in what? Stories. Because we're wired that way, we're wired that way. So let me tell you what happens. So you go watch a movie, or you read a book, or you watch a television show, and one of the central characters is ungodly. You know, does not live by the word, is, is, is involved in open and sin that we would all agree was sin and not right. But in this story, this person, what they go through, and, and you start to become emotionally connected with this person. Maybe they're the victim. 
Maybe they are the hero, whatever. But do you understand that power, that story, by the time it's done, while you wouldn't say what they were doing was right, you've really still become a little more accepting of that evil. Does that make sense or not? I'm convinced that it's true. One time, maybe no big deal, but the third, fourth, twelfth, fortieth time, we become, how do you think we got where we are in our nation? Is it pretty much accept anything? That's an exaggeration, but isn't that kind of where it's at? How did we get there? Because we weren't there a hundred years ago. It's because we as a people, we're not simple concerning what's evil. More and more exposed to what is evil. More and more exposed to where, you know, we just become more accepting. So the more knowledgeable we come, and let me give you an example. How how many of you in here have ever seen the uh, television show Big Bang? Quite a few of you. It's one of the, apparently one of the most popular shows ratings-wise, okay? And I've seen maybe, I count on one hand, shows over all the years. And it's, it's a very creative show, really wacky characters in the show, interesting characters, interesting, funny stuff. I mean, just, you know, over-the-top, funny, weird funny. But you don't have to watch very long to be exposed to evil because their values are not Christian. What they think is important is not Christian. How they act is not Christian. But it's funny. But you see what I'm saying? How we can expose ourselves to things and it's not overt. But man, you can find yourself becoming more, you get used to that. You get used to that kind of thing. And boy, we do that just so much. How many times have, have you maybe said, and if you haven't said, you've heard, and, and someone would tell you about a movie, and then they say, well, yeah, there's a little bad stuff in there, but what have we done? We've gotten used to it, haven't we? Used to exposing ourselves to evil that we don't have to. Now, this doesn't mean that you can't, there cannot be a story, a movie, a book, or a show, or whatever, that has evil in it, or has it, but the point is, is how is that evil portrayed? Is it portrayed as evil? Is it portrayed as bad? The fact that they're jumping into bed with each other, are there any consequences to that? And if it's, you know, if it's presented, if evil is presented properly, then it's not a big deal, but it's when it's presented in a way that's a lie. And we hear the lie, we take in the lie. Um, when I was a middle schooler, I went to a church camp in El, in El Dorado Springs, Missouri. Who in here has been to El Dorado Springs, Missouri? Really? Okay, I have. I have. And um, small town. It's grown since I was there. It's a little over 3,000 people there now. And it, so I'm a middle schooler and we show up at camp, you know, they drop us off and drive away and this is so exciting and then we go to the water fountain to get a drink and you turn the water on and like, <gasps> it smells like rotten eggs. It's, it's sulfur smell in the water. That's bad and, and they already drove away. I mean, what are, we, what are we gonna do for a week? And take a shower in it, oh. Anyway, as a middle school, that solution's easy. Just don't take a shower. 
<laughs> but you know, you try to hold your nose and drink, really. You do, that works until you gotta take, let go of your nose. But we did find out that if, you, if it was really cold, you didn't notice it as much. So you'd put ice in it and, and um, you know, also just, if you drink real fast and don't breathe, you know, and we finally don't swallow and you just go, <laughs> it's not as bad. But you know what happened? Two days into the week, three days into the week, it just didn't bother us as much. It was still there. We still noticed it. But we got used to it. And by the end of the week, it just wasn't a big deal anymore. That's what happens when we unnecessarily expose ourselves to evil. We get used to it. And Paul says, don't get used to it. Don't let it be mixed in there. Don't taint yourself with it. Be innocent of it. Stay away from it. All right, so the more knowledge we become about evil, the more accepting of evil we become. And sin always does damage. Sin always does damage. You know, in our society, we worry a lot about, you know, what's in our food and, and what's in our water and what's in our air. And, and I get that, you know, we're concerned about germs and, and all this kind of stuff. But how concerned are we about evil? You know, we don't focus on that nearly as much, but we ought to because sin always does damage. It always brings, uh, don't be deceived, God says, right? What you sow, you will reap. And if you sow to the flesh, you sow to evil, you're going to reap corruption and, and rottenness and decay and death. You're going to uh, reap ineffectiveness in your service for God. You're going to reap problems in your relationships. Sin always does damage. But it's worse than that because sin not only damages us, it also deceives us. Turn to Proverbs chapter 4. Page 729 in the Bible. Proverbs chapter 4. <clears throat> and really we could go through a lot of Proverbs and certainly here in chapter 4. It's really talking about this wise and what is good, simple and what is evil. Uh, just using different kinds of terminology. But look here in verse 18. He says, but the path of the just, the, the just person being the one who is you know, living by what's right, who is wise in what is good, but the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter under the perfect day. You know, I don't know if any of you are ever up early enough to see the sun coming up. You know, it starts to get a little lighter, doesn't it? And it gets lighter. As time goes on, it gets lighter and lighter and you can see better and better. And that's the way it is when you become wise in what is good. Things become clearer. You can see things more clearly, better, more accurately, okay? Then he says this, verse 19, the way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. And, and what's happening here is that they're talking about people who are not simple to what is evil, but are, you know, wise in what is evil. And, and it causes them not to be able to see clearly. And then they don't understand why they have these problems. When it ought to be what? Very clear. I have these problems because I am not living the way God says I ought to live. I am having these problems because I've allowed this evil into my life. But the, what the evil does is makes it so I can't see it, I don't see it. That's a downward spiral, isn't it? And so we need to realize that this is serious. 
We need to pay attention or we end up in places we never meant to end up. And you might say, well, hey, I know my, I'm not doing anything really bad. I'm not doing those evil things. But are you letting yourself be exposed to those things when you don't have to be? Because here's the deal. You don't have to hit, get hit by the bomb to be hurt by the bomb. If the bomb goes off and you're in the vicinity, you're probably getting hurt. And so if you expose yourself, to, I'm not doing it, but I'm exposing myself to it, you can and will be hurt by it. Now, let's just be clear. We're not talking about being stupid or ignorant or foolish about evil. We're not talking about having awareness of facts about evil. What we're talking about is making choices to let it into our lives. You know, instead of focusing my time and my energy and my resources and my relationships on what is good and what is right, I have some extra time in the evening, what am I going to do with it? Am I gonna become wise in what is good, right? Or am I gonna make a choice to let some evil in? That's what we're talking about. So my challenge to you today is this, stop being an expert in evil. And become an expert in good. Evaluation question for you here. Be honest with yourself and with God. Which do you know more about, okay? Which do you know more about? Which do you have a greater understanding of? Which do you have the most personal experience in? What is unquestionably good or what is evil in some way. And we wanna say what we know the best and what we do the most is what is good. And we're seeking to be simple according to what is evil. Now who is this message for? Who's it for? Yep, particularly for Christians. But what I want to say to you is to you young people in here with us today, you teens, some of you may be preteens, let me say to you, what an awesome time for you to learn this. Now. How many of you adults in here today would say that you wish you had at an earlier age become wise about what's good and simple concerning evil? You know, because you've experienced in your life what it means to do it the other way. Teens, don't do that. Young people, don't do that. And so what it really all boils down to, Paul says, in the end, is to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. Father, we come before you today. We thank you that you tell us these truths in your word. I pray, Lord, we'd take this to heart. We'd really get serious about pursuing and becoming wise in what is good, filling our lives with it, gaining experience in it. And Father, we would see the, evil and wouldn't see it for what it is and, and become simple regarding it. We want to do this to honor you and we know that it'll be a blessing to us when we do. And I do pray, Father, for anyone here today who hasn't finally made that decision to receive you as their son, that they would let us help, you with, help them with that and maybe even right now they just open their heart to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me say before you go, as always, the communication cards there in those chairs are there for you to communicate with us. 
Let us know if you have a question and we can help you, talk to you about Christ. We do that. Secondly, we'd love to see you back here tonight at six o'clock for our young people as they present what God did in their missions trips. Thank you, God bless you. Have a great Labor Day weekend.